Thanks for tuning in to your day off podcast, hosted by your boys, Corey and Tony. I think by the end of today, I might have another best friend. They're committed to making you fall in love with the hair industry, one podcast at a time. Uh, you're going to grab a lot of information. Yeah, you're going to learn a lot. Presented by Hair Industry and powered by Schedulicity. Without further ado, should we do? Ladies and gentlemen, this is it. Your day off podcast will begin after a word from our sponsors. What if payment looked this good? And your tips looked even better. Better yet, what if you could do it all by phone? Norm, payment by text for small businesses. Barbers, stylists, massage therapists, facialists, you name it. Available now for everyone on Schedulicity. Norm, the modern way to pay. day off my name is Corey. of course i'm sitting with my best friend tony what's up town what's going on brother uh nothing getting ready uh as we're recording this you know thanksgiving just ended we're getting ready for christmas we're all in the middle of the christmas rush or the holiday rush i should say um and uh dude it's uh this year has been a lot busier than last year certainly oh my goodness it has been especially with with the shows and the traveling um, you know, I think we're kind of staying put for about a month now, which yeah. I'm kind of excited about a month and a half, but yeah, this year was, uh, it was pretty cool. It, it was pretty cool. And, um, our guest, the, our guest today, actually, uh, we kind of like, I want to put this in quotations. We picked her up along on the road as well. Cause this is actually <laughs> our second podcast with her. We didn't release the first one just cause uh, we were at Zion and, um, and we did that for, um, Elizabeth, um, Faye, but I know that Elizabeth, uh, she, she just released it. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, you can go over to Hair Love Radio and listen to it uh, once uh, we tell you who it is. But yeah. really, we, we always saw Koi. They already know who it is. Yeah, I know, right? You know, so, so. But it's for me and you. I like exactly. It. Totally. <laughs> we do so much on the podcast that's just for me and you. That I think. Some people get it, though. You know, some people like uh, make fun of us or whatever. Yeah, which is cool. It is very cool. Um, yeah. So today we're talking to uh, Jessica Taylor and um while we were talking to Jess and Zion, a couple of things came out in her story that I kind of want to dive into a little bit. Um, they were like, they were kind of like wow moments. And then as we got to spend more time with her throughout the week, you know, I think we, uh, we really, uh, we just grew a beautiful friendship. So um, I, I'm, 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 I'm happy that, that she's willing to tell the whole story, the real story uh, with us. Yeah. She, I mean, she's a wow person. I mean, you know what I mean? If once we get into her story, dude, uh, the little that we do know, I mean, I am so impressed. Uh, she's a very impressive young lady, this one. Yeah, I mean, there's so many questions that I have in my mind. I'll probably end up forgetting. And uh, yeah, you well, know. write them down. Take a picture, right. write them down, man. <laughs> Why are you going? That's what I do. But, you know, when you just have conversations with people and you just, you know, you're just taken back and you're like, wow. Yeah. She's definitely one of those wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Should we get in? Yeah. Miss Jessica. Welcome back or welcome to <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. Um your day off. Thank you guys. That was so sweet. Like keep gassing me up, please. <laughs> but, but I really but I, I seriously I mean it. You know, when when you meet people and the certain the certain people are like, 
you're just taken back by it. you're like wow you're just impressed by them and and and, and you're not even doing anything to try to impress anybody that's it's just most impressive right yeah yeah so mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I remember, you. hey Jess, I remember like because you and I had met before. Uh, there mm-hmm. might be a couple pictures of me and you like on the top of a yes, someplace. Dancing, yes. Right? Dance, we were doing something. Yeah. So, um, so, uh, so we had met before. So when we, when I was telling Tony when we were going to talk to you, he's like, "Who is this Jess Taylor um, chick?" And I'm like, "Dude, you just wait. She is so impressive. Just wait till we sit down with her." And like, he definitely had different respect leaving that table than actually sitting down. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, Big fan. Yeah, yeah, huge fan. Thanks. Thanks. It's pretty pretty awesome, man. So Jess, where are you from? Um, so I grew up in Florida. Uh, I'm originally from Florida, St. Petersburg. Um, I grew up there, you know, my whole life. Um, my, um, and then I inevitably like, well, my grandparents are from Kentucky And so I used to go up there every summer. And um, so I was very familiar with like the horse industry, Mm -hmm. um, the thoroughbred racehorse industry. So um, I ended up getting into that at like a really young age, just kind of like by happenstance. And, um, you know, I, I was like good at it. And I started developing like an eye for horses and, and going to all the horse sales and stuff. And, um, so I was hired as originally as like an apprentice on a farm. And then, um, I started working with a bloodstock agent and then I oh, went out on my own. Hold on, hold on. What, with a what agent? A bloodstock agent. Bloodstock. Blood yeah. That sounds so, like the cover of a book. Yeah. It's, that's, um, that's the name of your, uh, of your, of your autobiography. But we get excited because for most little girls, I mean, not to stereotype, but I know my daughter when she was little, uh-huh. like she was fascinated by horses and riding yeah. horses and, uh, much more so than my son was. But, uh, so for you being a little girl going to Kentucky and did, were you going to the Kentucky Derby with your grandparents and stuff like that? Or just, it just in Kentucky in general, um, you know, like, it's weird because like in the world that I was in, it was like, a, it's the behind the scenes stuff. So it's more about like um, being in the farm and judging a horse based on its confirmation, like rather than like going to the derby. I mean, yeah, we went to the derby when we had horses that were running or that were training, but like for the most part, I spent the majority of my time behind the racetrack or like at the farms or uh, working with like really young horses. What, so does confirmation, does that, you you did thoroughbred. So what does confirmation mean that you have a fast horse or that you have a competitive horse? So confirmation is like their aesthetic, their right. build. So it's just like, that's why it translates so well with me for hair. I don't know. It makes no sense to anyone else, but the way I look at a horse is it's all about balance and, um, you know, and making sure like the tone of their body, their muscle tone, their, their hair coat, you know, is like really shiny and healthy and they're thriving, you know, like certain things like that are, you know, like their bone structure, whether they're like towed in or towed out or like walking through it funny, or maybe they have like a hitchy gait or like, you know, a really, really backed up hind leg where their hock sits out away from their, you know, like hip, like there's all different things that make like the the angle of their shoulder, you know, how long their neck is and how clean it is, like how pretty their face is. If they have like a, you know, plain face and they're usually like 
not so great of a horse, you know? So it's just like all those different types of things you learn as you like develop your eye in the so horse is this more like Are these horses more like for show than they are for running then? Is that what you're saying? No, absolutely not. It's so like horses that you see in the ring that typically win races, they have a certain aesthetic. So if you look at, and you take that aesthetic and you've memorized it in your brain and you've seen like enough of them to know, like these are the qualities that you're looking for. When you go look at a thousand horses and you narrow it down to like your top 20, you know, and then you do your vet checks and then you're down to your top 10, you know, it, it, and then you add in pedigree, then you start to figure out like where the, the horse lies. Does that make sense? Right. When you say pedigree, is that the blood stock? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like pedigree is great and it, and it, it does play a role, but as far the aesthetics, I feel like come first, you know, that's, I, I don't know why I'm so fascinated by this. <laughs> fascinated by, by this. Yeah. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like you would think that it's all based on like a pedigree that has, you know, on the piece of paper, but the pedigree only comes into play in like, uh, valuation or common traits that you're going to have. Like whenever you have like a certain line, like, you know, that that one's going to be a little bit of a thicker neck or toe in on their, you know, in their front, you know, or something like that, or their hawk's going to sit out behind them. Whereas like, you know, certain bloodlines are like longer and leaner and are two turn horses. And then certain bloodlines are like stockier and like Mike Tysonier and they run faster. Um, distance. It's like yeah, a distance, distance running. horse. Yeah, okay, mm-hmm. okay, okay, distance run, got it. And then you said the the other ones are like stocky, like Mike Tyson? Yeah, they're like, you know, bodybuilders. So, you know, they're going to be like seven-eighths of a mile, and that's probably it, <laughs> you know, and stop. But like, well, there are... By the Triple Crown, right? Because they're all different races, right? So is that is that why it's difficult to, to win one? Um, It's more difficult just because of the timing. You know, it's like back to back to back. Like you got to have a horse that's like thriving at just the right time and is able to overcome like all of the, you know, the drag from three of the hardest races in the world back to back to back, you know? So, but you were able to develop this eye to, to a point to where you had a pretty successful business with this. Yeah. Yeah. Like how, um, how were you able to grow a business? by I, i'm so fascinated by you know how, how it worked right yeah how it all put, yeah. how, how do you put it together like you 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 went to your grandfather's for the summer and you got into horses and next thing you know you're 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 running a very successful business yeah i mean you know one good horse deal could be your whole year you know like it only takes one deal and like even a marginal horse deal is you know at best 30 to 50 grand, you know? So like, that's, that's most people's salary, you know? Right. So it's like, it's all relative. Like it, you start playing at those levels and then you work your way up. It's, it's all about how much money you can raise and like, you know, the kinds of people that you can attract. Okay. I'm going to fill in a hole here. So, so you got into brokering horses. So you were you were like the middleman or the salesperson. Like if you're buying a car, you're the salesperson that that goes. So do you go and find the horses mm-hmm. as well? Or are you hired on both ends? Like if I own the horse and I want to sell it, like I go, hey, let's hire Jess 
And then, yes. and then, so Jess is going to get a certain percentage from this, but then if you go and find a buyer, do they also give you a percentage? Yes. Yes. It's uh, it's typically like 5%. That's the finder's fee, you know, but like on a $5 million horse, that's, you know, it's that's, a lot of money. Even a $5 million horse blows me away, <laughs> you know? Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, I, I, rumors had it that, that they would fly her around in helicopters looking for these things. Yeah. And what was yeah. that life like? Um, I mean, now thinking back on it, it feels like, you know, five lifetimes ago, but, but I at mean, the time, what, what was it like? Like at the moment, like you're like, oh, okay. I thought it was like normal, you know, it was my normal. So it was like very much, it was so cool. Don't get me wrong, but like, you know, it builds up to that and you're just kind of like riding around on private airplanes and getting picked up in helicopters and you're, you don't really know any different, you know, you're just like, oh, okay, this is life, you know? Whoa. It's not until you lose it. That's like, oh shit, that was really cool, you know? But like, yeah, it definitely in the moment was really cool. It was it was cool, but I had no idea. Like I was very spoiled, you know. Right. So did so growing up in St. Pete is is did you have horses there as well? Or that was just strictly a Kentucky thing? No, that was a Kentucky thing. My mom had a jewelry store. Um like a little mom and pop jewelry store and like I was raised in there you know my whole life in the back room while she was <laughs> while she was out there hustling. while she was yeah you know wheeling and dealing so like I learned that stuff from an early age so I was always like you know <laughs> in, in the sauce <laughs> right, yes. you know what's amazing to me about jewelry stores and I think you and I have talked about it, I have no idea how they stay open Cause you, right. you rarely see even customers in there, you know, and like there's t actually, we were just in LA yeah. and a whole, like there's a whole like two block section of jewelry store yeah. and nobody's on the street. Like how in the heck do they, and it seemed pretty high, high rent too. Yeah. Like how you, do they stay in business? You know, it's like crazy because my mom was a single mom, you know, and like raising two kids and owning a jewelry store. Like you would never think that would be, you know, a thing, but she did it. Um, I think they like, you just make money buying and selling stuff. Like you got to know like the spot prices for gold and like what you can resell it for. And like, she did a lot of like pawning and uh, a lot of repairs, a lot of like uh, diamond stuff, you know? Right. Wow. I'm just, I, I, I'm blown away. Obviously she was savvy. She was mm -hmm. savvy. Yeah. It must be different now, like in the, I, in the internet world, right? Like um, we sell a lot more. Yeah, I probably think you have more access to, you know, a client base. Like, you don't have to, like, have such a brick-and-mortar, you know, storefront right. anymore. Um, but but back then, not saying it's, like, that far ago, but back then, you know, a single mom in, a, in, in, the, in this world, being able to have a, you know, a successful business, take care of her babies and, uh, and mm -hmm. uh, making it work and hustle. I mean, that, yeah. And I yeah. kind of see where you get it. Oh, yeah. 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 I definitely see the hustle. I see the well, hustle being there, Jeff. Thing, thing yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, I can remember spending the night in that jewelry store on the floor. She'd pull out like the couch cushions and we'd be like laid out waiting for her to like finish stuff for the next day. You know what I mean? So that's what I grew up like. So it's wow. kind of like that's the way I feel like things should be <laughs> i don't know if it's right but <laughs> right. <laughs> we'll get into that later <laughs> you just gotta love women like that 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 
didn't allow circumstances to stop them. You know, yeah. they, they she she made it happen for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. She didn't have a choice. You yeah. know, it's like burn the boats. That's it, right? Burn the boats. Get it. The boats, and you 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 can't leave. You mm-hmm. got to stay in it. So you're traveling. Um. So were you traveling around the world selling um selling uh, thoroughbreds? Yeah, I mean. I mostly stayed in the U.S., but, like, there was a couple trips to, like, Chile and Ireland and Australia, um, Dubai, you know, stuff like that. Dubai must have been cool. Yeah, yeah. A horse that I bought, Curlin, um, won the Dubai World Cup. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah. So, that, I mean, that brings up another point, like, to see these guys be successful, you must have, like, you must have had a little, a little pride in your walk. Oh, 100%. That's like the best part about it is when you see them do so good, especially when it's a horse that you're like obsessed with, you know. Um, I'll never forget when that horse got bought. It was like the day after the Super Bowl. I was at a sale in Ocala. There were all the guys were drunk from the night before because of the Super Bowl. And like I got up, um, me and um, my ex at the time drove to called her and we were the first people to look at the horse and then right afterwards as we're walking out the arabs come walking in and the arabs is like sheikh muhammad who who owns you know united emirates and so i'm like oh fuck like we're never gonna be able to buy this horse they're gonna outbid us you know and um we got the horse bought on a handshake deal for a million three after his he broke the track record on his first start at calder Wow. Yeah. And he was, he literally, he won everything. He won, you know, he was um, a Breeders' Cup, Dubai World Cup, won the Preakness, second in the Belmont, third in the Derby. He's, he's just an amazing horse. So, so were they upset that you were able to get this deal kind of underneath? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And like most people don't like ever, we didn't have a contract in place. Like this is purely like here, handshake. Okay. Million three done. As long as my vet says it's okay. We're good. Right. You know, like there's no printers in the barn. And like, literally as I'm walking out, like they're walking in, I'm like, fuck, you know, <laughs> like a uh, million eight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, um, but they bought the horse for 35 grand, you know, so they were crushing it. Oh, right. And and the reason why they stayed with us is we let them stay in on the horse, whereas like Dubai, like any the Sheikh Mohammed crew, like they wanted to own 100 percent. So the value for them was being able to participate. Right. Mm. So it, that's the horse you sold in Dubai. I didn't sell it in Dubai. No, but he ran the Dubai World Cup and he oh, won it. Got it. Got it. Got mm-hmm. it. Yeah, oh, that is so cool. Sick. Did you, did you, whenever you saw the sheik, did you kind of wink at him and you be like, I got you. <laughs> like, bring her on. You no, know? he. need to hire her. Yeah, they don't look at girls like that over there, you know? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Spend some time in the movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh, you know. Right. But yeah, it was crazy. It was like, that was the most successful horse I've ever bought. I mean, I've bought a few others that were really good and and successful but like that one had my heart you know is um is a million three is that a lot in the horse world or, or is that it's kind of baseline or a little low it's like about i don't know for a horse that's already running and at the racetrack mm-hmm. i would say that's 
pretty average. And I've seen them bought for a lot more. Right. Yeah. Wow. And then I, there's something else I wanted to get into with you, Jess, too, because I don't know if I'm ever, we're ever going to get a horse expert on the uh, on the podcast. <laughs> but, like, aren't the stud fees, like, ridiculous once these guys retire? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, Stormcat's, like, the best stud that there is. And his less, yeah, he's, uh-huh. I mean, he's at, like, over a half million dollars, you know? Okay, walk us through that. A half a million dollars equals, what do you get for a half so, a million you you have a live foal contract so the horse has to produce a live foal so they have to stand a nurse so there's he's a really old stallion he's been around for a long time so he's covered he's covering like 250 to 300 mares a year at 500 a pop 500 so do, yeah so do the math on that so so and and, and like but he's producing those foul like two or three hundred yeah, I mean that's that's the thing. In a crop year, you're looking at around two hundred uh, to three hundred foals. You know, maybe a little less than that because if something, you know, if like it was a bad year or a lot of them got sick or whatever, like you could have some variations in that. But for the most part, it's about that much for one one crop year. Whoa, and and we're talking about you know we're we're they actually like i was reading like a, a thoroughbred actually like has to do the deed right like you can't like, oh yeah be artificial right well i mean if you go to ocala <laughs> there they may have them baiting and at 12 p.m you know and that you know net 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 means that they're probably like artificially inseminating but you know And some of the older ones, like they do, I've heard stories and, you know, it's not like a horse that's 25 years old is not going to be covering 300 mares easily in a year. Are you calling them old? Yeah. Well, you know, it's a lot of work. Have you ever seen pony porn? Like it's crazy. But the thing is, is like, it's not just the one time they have to cover. It's like, if they are in heat and they didn't get pregnant, then they have to do it again. And they have to keep going mm-hmm. until, so they're covering these mares sometimes two, three, four, five times wow. to get them pregnant. Whoa. You know what I mean? And that's, that's 500 K. Mm-hmm. dude that is six 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 you make your one point so, that quick yeah for yeah right. so if you that's the thing that we were doing the evaluation and like if you have a horse like that and he goes and wins like a grade one race which he did you know he could be worth 200 million dollars easily <sighs> so net 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 you've just turned your one into you know 100 Mm-hmm. Oh my that's God. insane no yeah. wonder you're living the life man mm-hmm. yeah. but i was also dealing with people with discretionary income that were billionaires you know that sure. could play like that because like that's just a success story a lot of them don't work out you know and that was like the hardest part of the job was so much of it it's like you have it's a numbers game so you have to do so much in order to make that 10 percent hit so it'll cover all of your other losses you know it's like playing crypto coin right like like you're just waiting for one to pop so when when your horse won that did your stock go up (laughs) i mean you know 
when you are involved with a horse like that, it's kind of like an underlying um, thing that you're going to be involved in the sale of them, you know, as well. So you're going to collect, you know, whenever there's a different transaction, you're going to be compensated. So the higher he goes up in value, like the more, you know, compensation you're going to make. And outside outside companies or people like, I want her. Yeah. I want to work with her. Um, it not as much as you think. Like it's it's really hard to find. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I got out of it because like the money is hard to to raise. And like it got to the point where there weren't single owners anymore. You were dealing with syndications where there was like 20 plus people, you know, and they were owned by like a, a stable. And so you were working at the behest of somebody like they I don't know, it's just different working with a single guy rather than a syndication, you know? Mm. What kind what kind of lifestyle was like kind of around that? I mean, like I'm seeing like champagne glasses and, and, and all that stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing the, uh, the 1990s kind of like a, <laughs> a Cinemax film or something. <laughs> um, it was very much like, um, like Gordon Gecko, you know, um, like very blue blooded, you know, old money mm-hmm. Americana. I, I mean, that's the only way I can really explain it. I, I would feel definitely out of place there. D- did you ever feel like out of place or like, why am I here? Or w- it was just your uh, normal. It was just my normal at the time, you know, like I feel like it definitely is a part of me. Cause like, I, I, I was very comfortable and like was very able to speak with everyone and be, you know, hold my own. But at the same time, like, to me, like, it's not where, like, my values lie anymore. It's not, like, what's important to me, you know? But so, it tra- yeah, the time, um, yeah, the time, I mean, it was wild, you know? <laughs> it's just, it, but it was my normal, so it was, I didn't really know any differently, you know? You mentioned it earlier, and we ignored it, but we're going to bring it up now. You said <laughs> it's looking back, you know, you said, you know, it was great, but until you lost it. Mm-hmm. What, do you yeah. mean, what did you mean by losing it? Um, Maybe losing it isn't the right, like, way to say it, but not having it anymore is definitely, like, a stark contrast, you know, to, like, the life that I live now. Um, but, yeah, I, I definitely, you know, I went from having like all of that excess and life and living in a completely different world to like not having it very, very quickly. And how, how'd that happen? <laughs> Funny you should ask. No. <laughs> uh, I, mean, I would just, I would just um, imagine like, like, yeah, you said you gave that all up because of the, the, the hustle, you know, the, maybe your hustle wasn't there anymore or whatever that hustle was. It, it just wasn't, it wasn't there. So, you know, looking yeah. forward, leaving that, like, you know, where'd you land? So it basically, this is how it started. I was in Ocala. I was looking at horses. It was very abrupt. It wasn't like by choice, to be honest with you, but it was just what I had to do. But, um, 
I was in Ocala. I was looking at yearlings that were training. I was getting ready to fly back to Kentucky. I got a phone call that my mom was in the hospital and her tummy was distended. Like she looked like she was eight months pregnant and she's 52 years old, you know? So I know like this is not good and something really bad's happened. And so I just like raced to the hospital and that's kind of like where it all started, you know, for me, like I found out like she had a big tumor and she had cancer and, you know, like she didn't, um, God bless her, you know, like she had a, she had a store, but she was like a typical self-employed person that had health insurance, didn't have health insurance, had it, didn't have it. So she got caught not having it. And now she's in the hospital with like a major thing. So, you know, I'm very, you know, like I, now I have to take care of my mom, you know, like that's really was my only thought. So, um, we started like going through that process and she had emergency surgery. And, um, I remember like sitting in the ho the hospital room and like, I'm like, what are they doing with her? I need to see a doctor. I would like wait around for hours and hours and hours trying to find a doctor to talk to me and tell me what was going on. And they had just put her on a morphine drip and she's just sitting there like in, in a coma basically. And like, no one would tell me what was going on until I finally like sought out an uh, uh, OBGYN oncologist. And he's like, well, your mom doesn't have health insurance. So I don't know, like you're, we're going to have to pay this with cash. And like, I'm literally sitting on top of my mom on her hospital phone doing a deal. He said, if you can give me eight grand cash, I will transfer her out of that hospital and get her to the hospital she needs so I can do the surgery and save her life. You know, oh. that was what I was dealing with. What? That seemed illegal. A hundred percent is legal, but it fucking worked. You know, like I did what I had to do to like get her out of there. Cause she was not, she was in like one of those little tiny hospitals that didn't have like an oncology department. So there was no one there that was going to like, help her she was just gonna like get you know sent home or go see a specialist or whatever you know was this in st pete yeah so what house yeah. would she get transferred to uh bayfront i believe it was like um the biggest you know like they have a they have a helicopter you know like they're like one of those you know right right right, right, right. um but, yeah but they uh they got her out of there. They did her surgery. And then I found out she had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And that was kind of, that was kind of it. Well, so, so that's how you kind of left the, the horse world. Well, at that point I knew like, I, I couldn't leave her, you know, and like sure. I needed to take some time off. So I did what I could to take some time off. Um, and contacted my ex and said you know like you need to help me and take care of these people while I'm away and then eventually it turned into just like I have to I have to quit I have to be down here um because there were so many doctor's appointments that I had to go to and it was just me and my my brother was in college so like I didn't feel like I could hire someone to just take her to these like I, I was struggling just to get answers and to be able to like help her, you know? So I, I felt like if she was left to her own devices, she was like so out of it that she wouldn't be able to even advocate for herself. 
you know? I think that's the toughest job, you know, as a, to be an advocate for, for a patient, you know, yeah. it never, it never seems to be that, that easy. Like, yeah, like yeah. got your back, you know? Yeah. And like handling, like she had a, she had a business, she had a staff, mm. she had, you know, employees and payroll and, you know, a mortgage and like all the Did things. Did you start running the business for yeah. her? Yeah. 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 Mm. I was like, you know, my whole thing was, I just want to have something for her to come back to you know, and that was like my mission statement in the beginning. <laughs> and then, um, you know, that's what kept me going every day. I was just waking up like, okay, I gotta, you know, just keep it together until she gets better. And then, you know, give it back to her and I don't care what it costs, you know, we're just going to figure it out. So not only were you a horse broker, but you were a jeweler as well then, huh? she had a she had a jeweler that had been working for her for like 15 years so he was like very they were very close you know and he had family and you know people that relied on him being able to work you know so it was like it wasn't just you know my mom it was like everyone that worked there and (laughs) I couldn't imagine I mean, what kind of, not only burden, but like pressure and uh, not burden to take care of your mom, but like the burden of, you have all these employees that you get, now you got to make sure that you got to make sure that goes well to, so they can support their family. That's, yeah. such, that's a pressure. And I'm thinking like, and she's not an expert. No. Right. Like no. she's not walking into something that she's an expert on. It's kind of like you're, you're learning, you know, how to keep the business afloat while the business. All those nights as a kid sleeping in that jewelry store. It's mm-hmm. in subconscious, right? It's slipped in. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, I was 26, you know, that that's when this all happened. It was like a baby, right? you know, and I, I was, I was full of like piss and vinegar. Cause I thought I was hot shit, but like, I really did not know what I was doing, you know? Right. Did you um, you didn't know what you were doing or were you just going on confidence? I was just going on just impulse, Mm -hmm. (laughs) whatever, like I would literally be calling social workers every day and like the Medicaid office and like going back to the store, doing payroll, picking up repairs, going to the watchmaker, like sitting at the counter, helping clients, you know, like it was just I mean, I lost like 20, 30 pounds, I think, in the oh first, you know, six months just because I was so you win daughter of the year. No, no. I'm not I'm no, far from daughter of the year. But just but, yeah. way to step up like that. That's I mean that you know, I have a 26-year-old now. You see, and uh, you know, and, and I'm that's pretty impressive. I mean, for her, I, I knew I know my daughter would do the same thing. Yeah. It's just, it's amazing to take on that and, and step up, you know, to give up your life to take care of somebody who, who who's given up their life to take care of you prior to that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's what you do, right? You know, for your family. That's yep. what I was taught. That's how I was raised. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's no doubt. So, Jess, how did, how did... I'm scared to ask the question. Like, like, how did you eventually find like the, the, the hair industry? Well, okay. So, um, when I was younger, I had like a really bad addiction problem that like, 
you know, I, I struggled with my mom, like me and my mom did not. That's why I'm like, no, I was not daughter of the year. Cause I was bad, you know, I was bad AF when I was growing up and, you know, I would run away. I would hang out with like these older boys that all dealt drugs. And, you know, I was constantly doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And, you know, like I, I, I was a hot mess. Um, and, you know, eventually, like, I got myself out of that and, you know, kind of stumbled into the the horse business. But um, my mom, I was helping her and um, I had like a toothache and I knew I needed like a root canal. And one day I, without even thinking, like, she was like, just take one of my painkillers. And you know, I took one of her painkillers and it was like off to the races. Like I hadn't even skipped a beat from when I was 16 and, you know, going crazy because I hated my mom, you know? And so, you know, that led me down. Like I, I was just doing, you know, some like pills and taking my mom's pills here and there when my mom was there and she was alive. And then after she died, you know, I, I, ended up, you know, getting on to bigger and harder things because that was, you know, what I could get a hold of. And so I pretty quickly became like addicted to like shooting heroin. And it was like a really, really dark place. You know, I, I, my mom had died and I had lost my dad, which wasn't that big of a deal because we hadn't had a, huge relationship but my dad died and then my grandma died and that was a really big deal and um me and my brother started fighting and you know it was like my whole world cr crashed me and my ex broke up and um so like I didn't have any of my old friends I didn't have my family I didn't have my brother my mom and my dad and my grandma we're all dead and um you know I was like looked at as this like outcast because I mean I was I was like I was not doing well and um nobody wanted to be around me and um but I was in a lot of pain you know and I just it was like the one thing that I knew from being a kid that was my coping mechanism like I didn't have I'd, I'd slip back into that, you know, your grandparents yeah. in Kentucky, were they your mom's or your dad's parents? Yeah. My mom's. And, and did you have a close relationship with your grandfather? Yeah. I, I my grandfather had passed away um, a couple of years before that, but I was really close with my grandma, my granddad. They were like my second, I would go live with them for periods, you know, and they were really, really, really close to me so mm. so how did so uh, you're, you're you're in the you're, you're in the addiction world and, mm -hmm. and you know using and you know probably mm -hmm. fair to say you're a junkie yeah um, but how, how did well, well, where does the story go from there so um me and my brother were having a disagreement over um you know my mom's estate and like what mo money was owed to me and what money was owed to him. And um, 
you know, for the longest time, like you guys can probably surmise, like a lot of this stuff costs money because she didn't have health insurance and like paying her mortgage. And, you know, sometimes I would pay payroll when we haven't even brought in any money at this, at the, um, store because you know like I wanted to make sure they had paid for the week so like all that stuff came out of like my life savings and my brother had a disagreement with me as to what I was owed to be paid back you know and um so he had um he said that I stole money from him and he took it to the district attorney and they had me arrested for stealing and, money for signing a check yeah, yeah. Oh, okay <laughs> so, so was it true um i mean i did sign his name on a check but i did tell him you know and he did owe me the money but it's not like in writing where i can you know sure. prove like it was like my brother you know like he's like oh yeah just endorse that and we'll it was like another handshake deal Yes. So, and, you know, and I was not in the best of places. So I'm sure like, I don't know, I, you know, it's at the end of the day, it was a blessing in disguise for me because it got me to where I am now, you know, and I see that now, but at the time, like, and I don't think anyone wants to feel like their, their siblings going to throw them in jail, you know? So, so you're saying you went to jail? Yeah. I mean, I was arrested for it and they said that, um, you know, I could have taken like 15 years probation or I could, and I asked them, I was like, well, how much jail time do I have to do to just be done with it? And they said 22 months. So I took the 22 months because I didn't want to pay my brother anything and I didn't think he deserved it. And I, just wanted to have it. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, Jess. So you took 22 months for principal? Mm. Yeah. Dude, remind me never to piss her off. (laughs) Well, so you, oh, so did, oh, um, and this was in Florida? Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. So you, um, so did you do the whole 22 months or was there like good behavior type stuff or were you not that good? No, I, I got good behavior. I was great. I, I was You're an instructor. Person. I was like, I was running every day. I had classes I was teaching in there. I was playing tennis with the warden. Like I was like living my best life in there. What I was kind a of model. Is this? It sounds like a I was, a, I was a model, model inmate. Thank you very much. Is that also <laughs> on your resume? no (laughs) but but I mean to the you know like it definitely was not fun like it's not like I'm kind of being joking about it but it it was not fun to any degree but um I made the best of it let's say when you you first when you first said okay I'm on the 22 months I mean were you scared at all going in because all the movies that I see I'm like, yeah, I, I'll take the 15 years probation, uh, you know, but were you nervous or scared at all? I was terrified, but I, I knew that I couldn't cry, you know, or show like weakness. So I just told myself like, 
get your fucking shit together. Like you are not going to cry anymore. You are done crying. You are going to be the baddest bitch you can be in here. And like, that's it. Like I literally had a pep talk with myself, you know, but there had to be way better bitches in there. You know, a hundred percent. Yeah. That's why I worked out every day. Cause you were trying to get janked. Well, I, nobody fucks with the people that work out every day, you oh, know? Yeah. Was that a strategy or did you just figure that out when you got there? Um, well, at first it was like to kill time and it just made me feel better. But like, yeah, nobody really, I just after a while noticed like nobody really fucked with the, the people that worked out all the time. Whoa. The old people worked out all the time, had their own little clique. Like, yeah, we, we run this thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, became, they became your friends? Yeah. I mean, it was it was crazy. Like I had this little old lady that was like across the bunk for me and she had killed her husband, you know, and she's a lifer. And I had this other lady over here killed somebody else. She's a lifer, you know, it was just like so weird. And then like, they call them like, um, long, like short timers and long timers. Like if you're in, I was considered a short timer because I was only in for a little bit of time, but like the long timers, like they don't fuck with you because like you're a little jit and you're like a short timer, you know, and they don't got time for you. So like, usually those are the cooler people because they're like, just chill. Whereas like the short timers are all like, "Ah," you know, they got something to prove or something. Yeah. Yeah. You were teaching classes in there. What kind of classes were you teaching? Well, okay, so I really love doing, they had like these step aerobics classes, and I know it sounds so weird, but we, I love doing them, and then I started, like, it was really hard to become an instructor, you had to have a lot more time than I did, but somehow I like weaseled my way into doing it. And it's the hustle. And that's that. That's that. You know, <laughs> I started I started dating a girl in there and she was an instructor and she got me in. <laughs> <That works. laughs> and um, and so, yeah, so then I became an instructor. And so then I started teaching classes and that was really cool because like I was actually helping people and, you know, doing something fun and kind of gave you purpose while you're in there can i jump off track real quick yeah so you said you started dating a girl in there was she a lobster <laughs> now like that like i mean are you, like you know like like you saying like was she a murderer was she a um she was in there for a while she had kidnapped her drug dealer and um yeah she was a little like you know she's a little cray cray you know i guess <laughs> like eventually she's going to get out you still have a you know sometimes you can remain friends or you have relationships yeah. i mean oh i you- still have her on facebook she was she was obsessed with me i think she would agree too i would come in and there'd be like pictures on my bed in my bunk and she wasn't like she didn't live there she would like have people put <laughs> pictures in my bed <laughs> hey, so I, i'm assuming that you guys decided not to date anymore when you left because obviously you left did you get out earlier than she did yeah but i had a couple girlfriends while i was in there oh, okay so i'm saying because you know, when she gets out you know like sometimes it can be like you said she's a little cray cray she could be jealous like 
Now I'm gonna go find you. I'm gonna yeah. go. I'm gonna no, go. she would be the one, honestly. Right. I would be scared I'm so, of. Tony, you just opened up so many questions. No, no, no. We're gonna I think we're gonna spend time off topic for a minute, Jess. There's so much here. Hold <laughs> on. So, so you know, they say like, and, and we've all been there, we've all worked in a salon where where two people are dating and then it breaks up and then it's awkward for everybody. Yes, yeah. So now when you're in jail and you're like you're dating. I mean, you called her cray cray. I'm, I'm not call, whoever you are. I'm not calling you cray cray. This is <laughs> so, like, if she's kind of cray, like when you guys break up and then like you start dating someone else, walk me through that. Yeah, she. Um, I forget what it was, but like she got in a fight with somebody. Oh, I think it was over me or something like that, and she ended up going into like the hole, you know, for like 30 days would they so would they separate you guys oh yeah, yeah. Like, like 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 would they be like oh jess and cray cray aren't dating anymore we gotta like we gotta put some separation there and then does that happen a thousand times during during oh. a year oh yeah like if they if they even smell that you have like a relationship going on with somebody they're like on you They'll separate that yeah so you had to keep it like quiet in a way mm-hmm. so the oh, new girl yeah. you were dating in cray cray and now we got to name her Cray Cray. That's, <laughs> but I mean, did the, so did the new girls like this is my girl? I'm a I'm a I'm a stand up and I'm a fight you because this she I I'm with her. And then Cray Cray's like, no, she's still with me. And so was there this kind of? I don't remember concert? what it was about, but it was something. I don't remember what it was about, but I don't think it was anything like that. But I knew it had something to do with something somebody said to her about me or something she was like all about those like prison rules you know like you don't talk shit about people and like you know like beefed up and oh, got like what, crazy so, so about it. you don't talk shit about anybody you don't talk shit about my girl yeah like that kind of stuff you know like you're that's my girl like that kind of okay. that's crazy to me like i'm like whatever you know she i know she's crazy i'm gonna talk shit about her too you know well, you are now. <laughs> Listen to this. Friends, so. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, we it's all good now. Like, we're to- she has a baby, she's like dating a guy, so she's far off the <laughs> Indian reservation, you know. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, there's another question. God, so many questions. I'm glad you're here. Glad you're here for this. Does that happen a lot? I mean, was it like gay for the stay? Uh, some people are gay for the stay. Obviously, you know, I'm not. <laughs> I mean, you're gay for the long stay. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah, yeah. But it, it's definitely uh, a thing that people do to keep themselves entertained. You know, mm-hmm. and there's a lot more girls out there that are into girls than you would think. What, what you, when you talk about your ex in the horse world, was that a girl as well? Uh, no, that was a guy actually. That was a dude? Yeah. Yeah, that was a guy much older than me, already been in the horse business. Got it. Well, Had a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, obvious, obviously, he has all your money. <laughs> when you were struggling, when you were struggling, going through all that stuff you were going through before you went to, to, to prison, mm-hmm. did he did he offer to help you at all? Was he, was he there for you emotionally? Was he there or... or or are you just a pawn? Um, My so, yeah, so he, you know, it was like a typical, I was 
he was 10, 15 years older than me, you know, kind of situation and still technically separated, but technically married to his ex with two kids, you know, that kind of a sitch. Yeah. And um, I was the young, pretty, um, shiny thing, you know, for a long time. So second that I had like real uh, issues, like the only time I've really like, not only time, but like one of the major times that I needed him in a way that he couldn't pay for, you know, it was like too much to ask. Well, emotions are expensive. Mm, that's you know? the truth. Right. He didn't deserve you anyway. That's right. Ooh, emotions are expensive. I'm gonna have to post that on my Instagram page. <laughs> 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 a little drip, 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 drip. Photo box. So we still haven't figured out how in the heck you got yeah, into the hair world. Yeah. So okay, it's like the least important thing right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but do you want to hear a fun fact? Yeah. Okay, now I feel like I can't talk about this now. It's like crazy. I don't really go into this a whole lot, so like I don't tell all this stuff to that many people so this is like really like i don't know cathartic you know but um i didn't have people like that helped me you know usually you need like commissary or canteen right to like get Mm -hmm. by because it's girl's hungry you know she gotta eat she's working out all the time so you gotta have like a little side hustle in order to like you know to feed yourself to get your Twinkies. Yes. So um, I started cutting hair with toenail clippers, like in the bathroom stalls. That sounds like the longest haircut in the world. But I did it. And I was cutting like like boy cuts, you know, on the studs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, with toenail clippers. What? Was that, and that was your first like uh, uh, introduction to hair? Well, like somebody paying me to do their hair yeah definitely i mean i did my little brothers when i was a kid i was like oh i can figure this out my first haircut took me like three hours (laughs) so was it like scissor of a comb where the comb blocked the toenail clipper from the scalp or were you literally no i would just like you know like doing this clip it doing this clip 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 clip. whoa yeah how long did it take you to a haircut that's what i'm thinking yeah it was like a long time it was like three hours (laughs) The first one's like three hours, but after that, I got it down to you know like an hour. Tony, I definitely <laughs> want you to cut my hair with toenail clippers. I'm gonna, right? I'm gonna cut your beard with my toenail clippers. <laughs> 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 and I'm kind of grossed out. <laughs> <laughs> but like you know that that was kind of like I guess the beginnings of um, me thinking like oh okay you there's know another, there's another business here. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. All right. So I asked you about 30 minutes ago. So how'd you find okay, that? Sorry. That's okay. So I, um, I, was, I was kidding myself. <laughs> I know it's a long story, man. I don't well, know we how got to time. Show we got time. All right. Um, so we, I, I was going to get out and I didn't know where I was going to go. And um, my mom's best friend lives in Wanta in New York, in Long Island. And she, um, she and her boyfriend at the time had said, you know, you can come up here and stay and we'll help you out. And so that's kind of how I landed in New York. And when I got here, like I literally had nothing. I had the clothes on my back and that was it. So did they, they, did they, 
I put this in quotation. Did they recruit you right out of prison? Who? My yeah, aunt and stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, pretty much. Like, I got in a couple letters from them, and, you know, they were like, um, you know, they'd known me since I was a baby. Sure. You know, my Your whole life. Sister? My mom's best friend. Um, like, I've known her my whole life. And so, but I never actually, like, lived with these people. And that was, like, a whole other, like, house of horrors um that i kind of got into and i i didn't really know like what i was getting into um because the guy i came out of jail and i was like a shell of a person because you know like having someone yell at you 24 7 and being it's like shocks your system you know so like you're not like a human for a little while until you get like reintegrated right Mm -hmm. so um i came to this house and i guess i was the guy that lived there realized I was like prime pickings for, I don't even know why I'm telling you this, but we're going to go there. Um, prime pickings to like abuse. So I literally, while I was trying to like put my life back together, I had this guy like following me around telling me I had to do things or he was going to kick me out and like all this crazy shit like come to my school and watch me through the windows, come to my job and sit outside my job you know, all this, like, now, now looking back, I was just like, what the fuck? Like, that was insane, but. Was this the guy you live with? Your, yeah. your, your mom's yeah. friend's um, yeah. husband or? Yeah, and her boyfriend. Like, they've been together for forever. But, yeah. Um, so, I'm confused about, so he would say, like, you know, you have to do X, Y, Z, or, or I'm kicking you out. And, and was that, like, household chores and stuff? No. <laughs> No, it was like sexual stuff, you know. Oh my gosh. And then yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh my dude, I just want to hug you now. <laughs> um, yeah, like it was crazy. I was they got me this job and you know, I didn't have a car, obviously. So he drove me everywhere. And in a way, like I had to do what he said because I really wanted to just get my life back together, you know, and like he would drive me to and from work and he would say like, oh, you're not allowed to go out with anyone. Like you have to come straight home and uh, do what I say. And, you know, like use things like the girlfriend experience and like all this shit. So that's, I was literally like going to work. And it's funny because I've seen people like since then and they're like, I've told them and they're like, oh my God, you know, like they they had a feeling because they would see the way he was, but I would never say anything because I'd be too scared. And they just were like shook at how far I be, you know, came with like that shit going on at home. And like, it was, it was really embarrassing because I was like 31 at the time. So I'm like a grown ass woman who's, I feel like I'm eight, you know? and being taken advantage of and i'm just trying to like literally get my life back together and start over and like it's this is just like what i have to deal with you know guys like that needs to be run over or get hit by a truck <laughs> or get thrown off a bridge or yeah i mean because yeah. i have a daughter maybe i'm i'm attached to this story a little bit i i mean you just want to murder somebody like that. You know what I mean? You should tell your cray cray friend and hopefully <laughs> she yeah. put a, a dagger yeah. in this dude's heart. Wow. Mm. Dude, well, first off, I mean, 
I'm just so sorry that you had to go through that. <laughs> Thank you. And like, I, I'm having a hard time recovering Jess for you, honestly. All right. So, uh, how'd you find the hair? This is, this is the real story, right? <laughs> it's, story, bro. Like, every, it's funny Jess, cause every time we talk, like you're like a little onion, you know, you just, every mm -hmm. time we talk, there's like a different layer that gets pulled back. But you never know who, uh, who's maybe is listening to this. Maybe yeah. can take a piece of something that you've said that you've gone through and how you survived it and maybe mm -hmm. give them hope or give them strength to be able to overcome whatever they're going through. Exactly. I mean, that's really honestly why, I feel the need to, uh, and I do this in like my day-to-day -day life. And when I am working with other girls and stuff is like, I just want to help people. And like, you know, you have such a negative feeling from all of this stuff. And like, it has such a negative effect on your, it can have such a negative effect on your life if you let it. But like, you also have the ability to turn it around and use it for good which is what I like try to do each and every day, you know, is just like take all the bad stuff and like show people that there's hope and like there is a way out of really bad situations and you can get through addiction and get on the other side and you can remake yourself even at an older age, you know, and be like really whoever you want to be. That's like really my hope for the story being out there. Mm. Yeah, because if people who who know you and see you today, you know they'll be like me, like because I was wowed by you. you know what I mean? I'm so impressed by you, and and not just and you because know of your, I didn't know any of this, right? right. Just by who you are and, and what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. I just want like, like it, it's hard to rectify some of the things and why they happen to you and like you know you can spend a lot of time in like the why me and victimize you know your story and but that's why I don't really like to talk about it so much in terms of like the specifics I do say a lot about like being there and d going through these things because I want people to know that like it's possible to get through them but I don't want to stay a victim like I've taken back my power um and I control the narrative now and how my, the rest of my life goes, you know, for a long time, like I didn't understand that that was even possible for me. You know, I had such low self-worth and, you know, such a, a like limited belief of what I was, you know, capable of, um, from what I'd just been through. And it really, um, it took me a long time to be able to see myself as like the person I am today. So it, it's, and it really started the crazy thing is, is it really started like my very first hair class that I went to. I, I literally, after I got out of that house, um, you know, I went to like us, uh, just were you were living in the house. Were you, were you, um, were you doing hair then? Yeah, I was assisting full-time and going to school full-time. So that's kind of yeah. how you found the industry. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So your first and, hair uh, class, I'm sorry. No, no, no. My 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 first hair class, it was, I was assisting for a little while, and they said, you know, you need to go to this uh, master colorist class. And I tell people this all the time because I think it's, like, super important. And you never know, like, who you're going to affect in – 
when you're teaching, right? And I was, I'd signed up, like I'd saved all this money to go to Master Colorist, like week after week, just putting things in envelopes. And um, I went to this class, I was on a bus, a train, a subway, I had to wake up at like five in the morning. Um, I was in a, a freaking halfway house, you know, like I wasn't even in like my own place, riding the bus. And I go to Master Colorist and Tiffany, uh, I'll never forget her. She started showing us like the hip hop preacher, like Eric Thomas. Yeah, 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 sure. And it was like this super motivational like thing. And it just like shook me to my core, you know? And that was when I started just believing like anything is possible, you know, like, like this woman, like opened my eyes, like, wow, I could be doing this or like I could do anything if I just put my mind to it, you know, and, and um, I believed it, you know, and then from there, it was just like, I just kept, it snowballed. Yeah, once I, once I guess that motor started, you just put the, the pedal to the floor and, and you just steamrolled to it. I mean, because obviously, I mean, it's, it's hard to, to, to create a successful business, but to create several successful businesses it, it's especially going through what you went through is is, is it's pretty pretty awesome so where are you where are you now so i'm in oceanside new york um and i own my own salon i also am i started off as a global educator for many years and now i teach my own education for my own brand. I own my own hair extension line, Bua Babe Extensions. And I also am getting ready to launch a masterclass that I have coming in 2022. It's like all of my, the things, all of my hardships, everything that I've learned in order to be like a soul conscious stylist, like somebody that is super successful, has an amazing brand, like that is in alignment with their goals and, and everything that they're about. And also is, you know, able to crush it at home mentally, spiritually, emotionally, like all the things. So. That's so awesome. Yeah. Corey and I are going to try to make it up there one day and uh, visit. (laughs) We wanted to do this podcast live. Yeah. We tried (laughs) it just like, you know, everyone's schedule gets so nutty. I think we're supposed to cook for Ash. Yes. Yes. Together. Together. I can't wait. Are you guys coming up for real? We got, we got to figure it out. Just, we want to so much, you know, just our schedule is getting so, I know know how it goes, man. You know, know. we, we, we definitely want to, um, Okay, I, there's a big part of this story that we're kind of missing that I kind of want to get into and then you okay. know, kind of parse through it. So Tony and I talked about it right before you came on and we talked about it in Zion. So there was a time where your entire life was kind of a secret and you didn't mm-hmm. really talk about it. And then, and unfortunately, once again, unfortunate, you know, in Jesse's life, you were kind of forced to, um, to, to, tell, you, to tell your story. Um, can you kind yeah. of walk us through that a little bit? Well, you know, like when you first start out and you're going on job interviews, like going to prison is not necessarily one of the things you want to talk about. Right. Right. And being new in this business, like obviously the stigma that, you know, that kind of stuff goes with, like I was still getting my life back together. So for the longest time, like I felt like 
that I had to keep it a secret because I thought people would super judge me and sure. And I didn't know what that would do to my career, you know? And so for the longest time, like I didn't, I was never going to tell any, anyone, any of this stuff. And, um, so I had, uh, I had an ex-girlfriend that was a little crazy and, um, she actually seeing a pattern here, Jess. Yeah, we broke, we broke that pattern. I mean, okay. sort of, you know, Ashley's, still, <laughs> Ashley's a little cray cray, but I like it. It's, it's, it's so am I, but, um, you know, we, um, we, things didn't really end well. And, um, she, um, she sort of like, it's one of my clients, um, ended up well, it wasn't one of my clients. Let me back up. One of the girls that worked for me, she had a client, didn't like her hair. So she messaged us and said that she was going to um, write a Yelp review. And we obviously tried to rectify it. She mm -hmm. wasn't like having any part of it. So she wrote a Yelp review. And, um, and then my ex-girlfriend, uh, I guess, messaged her and said that, um, you know, sent her my mugshots. And then, um, you know, it was like a sneaky way to get back at me, I guess. And then the lady DM'd me and said that if I didn't give her back her money, that the mugshots would be all over like Facebook and Instagram and that my business would be ruined. So. So she's trying to blackmail you? Yeah. That was kind of like. Isn't that it. a crime? Yeah. Yeah. But, um. And it was good because it forced me to like come out about everything. And, you know, in a way it was like the best thing that I ever did. Um, well, hold on, hold on. I, what did you, so what did you do? So yeah, she, how did you handle that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she emails you. She's like, hey, here's your mug shots. I've got them and, and, and I'm going to ruin your business. So mm -hmm. you, you, you had a, a couple of decisions to make there. Either call Cray Cray to go get her. You know, mm -hmm. the other Craig Craig from prison. Yeah. Or, yep. or, 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 you know. Or give her her money back. Give her her money back. Well, or, the, the thing is, is like you sit there and you're like, uh, number one, I'm I'm a very principled person. <laughs> I mean, you went to jail for uh, 22 months. Yeah. I don't like it when people fuck with me. Like, I feel like that that's not cool, you know. Busy. And not like just like on that level you know like i don't i don't like it when people mess with me when it's really like insane you know right. and so i feel like in my mind i'm not going to negotiate with terrorists that's the way i feel you know and um so i was like no i this is going to keep happening you know it's something that maybe I just need to like get off my chest and control the narrative and like tell my story the way that I want it to be told and not the way that some other, you know, asshole wants to tell it. And so that's what I did. And I just wrote a post about it and I called the lady out and, um, I had such like, such an overwhelming, um, reply from everyone that, made me feel so much more comfortable um talking about it like I I was so ashamed for so long and like felt so like I was a pariah or there was something wrong with me you know like for so long so like being able to 
be open about it was actually like a blessing in disguise for me because there's a huge part of my life that I really just couldn't even discuss with people you know like I wouldn't even talk about the horse business because I was I was like people are gonna think I'm a liar because it's so fantastic you know and the fact is is there's so many other parts to the story it doesn't make sense unless you tell the whole story you know right and so like it's it just there's so many different parts of me you know and I feel like that for a long time controlled my narrative my internal narrative and like once I let all that stuff out it just became a sub part of the whole of me you know of all the good and the bad stuff that I've done and so I was gonna ask is I mean it had to be freeing right it had to be that weight had to be lifted off your shoulders to allow you to really blossom and grow to this amazing styles that you are today. Uh, yeah. That's a lot of weight to carry around or try to, you know, hide or try to, you know what I mean? Not to let people out. And you're constantly thinking that way and, and you're, you're holding yourself back, but mm-hmm. congrats, kudos to you. And, and yeah. you know what I mean? Not, not too many people can handle half the stuff that you've gone through, but you know, all the stuff that you've gone through, it just made you the wonderful, incredible person and hairdresser that you are today. And, you know, we love, we love you. Thanks, we thank guys. you. Yeah. My my two takeaways are, like you said, it's freedom, like just the freedom that that must've like, I mean, you were able to like free up, you know, 20 years of your life, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like, like here, you, you, you can have it now. It's like when we record a podcast, like, until once we release it, the world owns it, you know? And so for you, you're like, I, this is my narrative and now you own it. Yeah, like, here's the key. I'm not, I don't need to keep that door locked anymore. Here, no. here's the key. Here it is. Open poke, it up. Poke around. Yep. You know, go through yeah. my, go through my Come phone. for me. Come <laughs> for me. So, I mean, that, that's amazing. And the other thing too, that I find amazing, and it's the reason why we do this podcast. It's the reason why we, we, we bring people on. We bring stories on like Jess's is that our industry is just amazing. It's amazing that because because if you were in the banking industry, this doesn't happen. Maybe yeah. if you're still in the horse industry, this doesn't happen because you can't be trusted. But our industry is like, okay, so that, that's your story. I mean, everybody's got a story here. And like, so once you came, you know, it's easy that the industry did, but but how did your clients react? I mean, um, I don't feel like that I've had a drop or anything, you know has happened I think that a lot I got it was just really interesting the types of people that reached out to me because it was a lot of people that I just never would have expected that were just like yeah fuck yeah fuck her and you're amazing and you know like that kind of shit and (laughs) thanks guys but like it was just I I never realized how much of an impact a story like that could have on people you know until it was out there that was really did people um did people uh start to share their stories and stuff as well oh yeah definitely definitely to say it best you know you talk about impact on somebody you know you can impress people with the things you have achieved and all your shiny trophies mm -hmm. when you tell your story and you tell your failures and stuff that's when you truly impact people and you're going to, you know, and those impacts, they, they last a lifetime. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like people forget about your success. People, people Mm -hmm. forget about your shiny trophy, but Mm -hmm. when you impact them, like the way 
you impact them, it, it's it's a lifelong you know memory, and you know and uh, I appreciate it. I mean, I, I thank you. I applaud you. I I we, I appreciate you big time, dude. I I you know from that time that we first met on 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 the top of the skyscraper <laughs> in Brooklyn to you know being in Zion to, to this moment right here, man. I mean, just yeah. like you you've been nothing but impressive to me. I, yeah. I just, Robert yeah. Cromin says says it the best. We are a our industry is a band of misfits. Yeah. yeah. We have the queen yeah. of the misfit right here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she owns it. Yeah. Owns it. I do. No, when we were doing, I was doing my like ideal client in this mastermind I was doing. I was like, yeah, they're going to be like people who are like on the fringe that have had some shit that are like, you know, a little bit of a misfit that don't quite fit in. Like that was literally like who I think I'm speaking to. So right. it's funny that you say that. That's funny. <laughs> are you are you a nightmare to date oh no i mean i i don't not anymore let's put it that way mm-hmm. jessica has done a lot of work on herself you know like she's a work in progress We all are. and i definitely have my moments like everyone else you know god bless ashley she's put up with more shit for me than than anyone and stuck around and she still likes me a little bit so that's cool she is the most romantic woman I've ever met. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so talk about how how people can um, follow you or learn more about your mastermind classes and all the things that you're doing and you're up to. So um, you can definitely follow me on Instagram. If you really love this and it spoke to you, I would love to hear more about that because it will give me more of the courage that I need to speak out more. Um, so my Instagram handle is hairby.jesstaylor. And you can also go to my Insta- um, my website, jesstaylorbua.com. That's where you can find me if you want to come coach with me one-on-one, if you want to join my masterclass, if you want to book with me, it's all there. So that's pretty much it. Jess, uh, honestly, thank you so much for, for for giving us this time. Thank you so much for being vulnerable and sharing your story. And, you know, I, I think that you're going to impact more people today than you probably realize. And, you know, I, I, I from the bottom of my heart, I appreciate you sitting down with us and telling that story. I, 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 I just love you, dude. I love you too. <laughs> so much. And until we meet in New York. You know, thank you very much. And thank you for joining us on your day off. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, share it with friends, give us a rating and drop a review to listen to all the latest podcasts. Please subscribe from your favorite podcast outlet and to stay connected on and off the show. You can follow us at hair on Instagram and all other social media platforms. Thanks again. And we'll see you next time. Peace and love.